welcome to another talk about long COVID. The discussion that we will do today is about the prevalence of long COVID after outpatient COVID, that is mild COVID or even asymptomatic COVID. Then the prevalence of long COVID after hospitalization. And we'll see the data from UK, Italy, Germany, France. The studies from Italy, Germany and France are from the previous years. That gives us an idea of the previous variants and the long COVID because of them. And the UK data is more up to date. We would also look at the most common symptoms that people are experiencing as part of long COVID. We'll do a separate discussion where we'll go over all the clusters of the symptoms and what are more common in them. And so that would be a follow-up discussion. So let's start a discussion today for the prevalence and most common symptoms of long COVID. So this is the data from UK's Office of National Statistics. Here are the references. This is the uh, data I'm going to demonstrate and, and present. For this data, I, I had to look at the total COVID cases in UK, in the US, and the, the R world in data is which I used. Then there is there are more studies that are present in this presentation. So this is the reference to these studies and finally an interesting article. So with this, let's go back to our discussion here. So U UK, they sent out a survey and the survey was a question. The question was, would you describe yourself as having long COVID? That is, you are still experiencing symptoms more than four weeks after you first had COVID-19. And these symptoms that are not explained by something else. So that was the basic question. So this was a self-reported um, survey and they used that data for figuring out the stats for the long COVID. So their definition is symptoms four weeks after the COVID. So it is a self-reported study and they had data up till 5th March, 2022. Question I just discussed. People that participated in this, they were those folks who were living in the private homes. That means the communal settings and the people in those settings were not included in this. For example, halls of residence or prisons or schools, hospitals, care homes, etc. they were not included. Now, here there is a box around this title that is total COVID cases by March 5th. This would indicate that this data is from me, not from the original report. So I wanted to extrapolate the percentage of the COVID cases that became long COVID and I needed this data. So I got it from our world in data. So on 5th March, or sorry, April 5th, the UK's total cases were 21.48 million. Let's call them 21.5 million. So out of a population of about 67 million and about 62 million of them in private living in private homes, there were 
1.5 million COVID cases. So please keep this in mind. Now the overall prevalence, according to the report they said that 1.7 million people responded and they said they had long COVID. And they said that this is 2.7% of this cohort that is living in private homes. So this is about 6.2, 6.3 million people. Sorry, 62.9 or 63 million out of 67. So 2.7% of the private household overall population have long COVID. That's a big number. And then here is my extrapolation of all the COVID cases, about 7.94 or about 8% became long COVID. There are many reports that say that UK is reporting about 10% become long COVID. But anyways, the data that we have here, according to that, about 8% of the COVID cases become long COVID. And again, definition, symptoms after four weeks of the infection. Now, the greatest prevalence, this might surprise you. Age 35 to 49 had the greatest prevalence. With that, females had more prevalence than people living in more deprived areas had more prevalence of long COVID. Then those who were working in social settings, for, for example, social care, teaching, education, healthcare, they had a higher prevalence of long COVID and people with comorbidities or disabilities had higher prevalence of long COVID as well. So you might have thought that long COVID will be more prevalent towards the advanced age, but that is not the case. 35 to 49 was the higher prevalence age. Now I extrapolated this for USA. So in the US, by this time, April 11, there are 80.45 million COVID cases. US is about 330 million or little more, 333 million people's population. Out of them, 80.45, 80.5 million cases of COVID. If we use these previous numbers, that is, 2.7% of population or about 8% of COVID cases, then here is the data. And quick disclaimer, this is not from the report. I have the boxes around these because I extrapolated them. And for the US, I did not separate out people living in household versus communal area. So I just took the whole population, which is probably not as strong of an extrapolation as possible, but here is an idea. So out of 330 million, 2.7% long COVID will become 8.91 million. So almost 9 million people may be suffering with long COVID in the US. If we take the 8% of the cases as the number, then that becomes about 6.35 million people suffering from long COVID. So I would say that somewhere between 6 to 9 million may be the number of long COVID patients 
in the US. That's a very large number. Now, what are the findings of the ONS report, Office of National Statistics UK's? What did they find after that survey? Here is what they found. Of all the people who reported that they had long COVID, 69% or 1.2 million said they had at least the COVID at least 12 weeks earlier or previously. So about three months ago, they had COVID and now they're suffering, 69%. And these percentages are not to be added up. There are overlaps in there. 45%, check this one out, 45%, 784,000 people had COVID a year ago and they still have symptoms. And I would go to the last line before I go to the third one. The last line is 4% of the long COVID responders were actually, they had COVID two years ago. And this is something that I said, it is good and bad. Bad because they're suffering for two years. Good that this number is small. That means they are, of course, at that time, the number of long COVID must be more than 4%. However, they have been gradually improving. So this is a silver lining that this number is small and of course this number still being present is the bad part of this all and then 24 percent of the respondents they had covid less than 12 weeks so remember by definition it is four weeks after the covid so it must be within four weeks to 12 weeks time frame 24 percent so 69% were after three months, 45% one year long suffering and 4% two years. Again, there is a hope that hopefully people would continue to gradually recover. 33%, this is very interesting, were when alpha was not dominant. So that must be Wuhan or slight mix of alpha that time or the wild type and slight mix of alpha 33% people who responded had COVID long COVID since then the second highest long COVID prevalence was for delta so wild type then delta then omicron 19% said Omicron, and then 15% were in the alpha time. So this is, again, very, very interesting. Now, this is also very important. The question in almost all of our minds is that patients who are sadly long COVID, can they conduct their day-to-day -day activities and if there is some disruption, how bad it is, how severe it is. I have heard of so many patients who are bedridden or so many who cannot go out or do their normal daily activities. So here, 67% of the self-reporters here, 1.1 million said they had some way, some 
problem with their day-to-day activities. 67% of the long COVID had problems conducting their day-to-day routine activities. 19% said their ability to undertake day-to-day activities has been limited a lot. Now, the most common symptoms. This is not the list of all the symptoms. This is the most common symptoms from the people who responded and said, I have long COVID. 51% had fatigue. And you would see this this, uh, pattern occur again and again that the most common is fatigue. So 51% had fatigue, 34% shortness of breath. And this shortness of breath kind of goes to second, third place and moves up and down. 28% loss of smell. And in some studies, you would see that loss of smell was the most prevalent. And 24% had muscle aches. This was the most common symptom sets. Once again, I want to remind us, the prevalence was greatest among people 35 to 49, females, then people living in more deprived areas, people working more in the social settings, and then people with comorbidities and disabilities. Now, this is another study. This study is about the severe COVID and then becoming long COVID afterwards. So here they had about 143 patients. This is an older study. So if you look at the date, April 21 to May 29, 2020, in the very early days of the COVID. So this must be wild type COVID variant. At that time, these 140, there were 179 patients out of those 143 were the ones who responded to the questions here. This is a different study. 57% and these were all hospitalized patients. Mean age was 56.5. Age range 19 to 84. 37% were women. Mean hospital length of stay was 13.5 days. 72.7% had interstitial pneumonia or we call it walking pneumonia. So this is the, viruses usually do this, that they would cause infection not of the main respiratory pathways, but on the sites. And for the SARS-CoV-2, it actually causes interstitial pneumonia and then it causes typical pneumonia and then it goes towards the ARDS and and it it just does everything. 72.7% of these hospitalized patients had interstitial pneumonia, 15% had non-invasive ventilation, and 7% had invasive ventilation. So again, this is a different study, although my title over there is Prevalence of Log COVID UK Data, that is the overall presentation. This is a different study. This is a study of the long COVID in severe patients. So about 60 days after, 12.6% of the patient had completely recovered, only 12.6%. 
87.4% patients still had symptoms. 32% had one or two and 55% had three or more symptoms. Very different compared to the outpatient. You would see more in the outpatient, as you saw before in the UK study, 8% of all the cases. You would see in the outpatient, the numbers are within this range, 6 to 10, 12. With the severe cases, the numbers are higher. Now, severe cases long COVID can actually be divided into two forms. One is the autoimmune type disease, which others are experiencing as well in the long COVID, even the outpatient. And then the other one is the sequelae. So somebody whose lungs have become damaged during the hospitalizations and the severe infection. Or somebody's pancreas is damaged. Or somebody has developed some other severe cardiac issue or vascular issue. These are different. But these patients also developed long COVID as well. And then 44.1% had worsened quality of life. So you saw in the previous UK report that about 69% said our quality of life has become disrupted. Here, 44.1% had severe disruption to their quality of life. Now, what are the most common symptoms in the severe patients who still are long COVID? Look at this, 53.1% fatigue. In the UK report, 51% was fatigue, but that was the top. Here, fatigue is the top again. Dyspnea or shortness of breath over there in the UK report, that was the second top. Here, this is also the second top, 43.4%. Then joint pains, 27.3% and 21.7% chest pain. It knows me as not here. Remember, this is an earlier study. What happened was that as more variants came, slowly the infection symptoms changed. That is why at the time of Omicron, my suggestion was that this has become a very different virus. We should name it something else and we should name the disease something else as well. Although it is still acute respiratory distress syndrome and many other pathogens do that too. But the symptom set is very different. And that is a challenge you are seeing right now that we are now talking about the same virus, various variants and various symptoms. And we are having to track it. If it is Delta, then the symptoms are this. If long COVID symptoms are this. If it is Omicron, then the acute symptoms are the following and long COVID symptoms are this. So that is going to become a confusion in literature forever. Now, this is another study, long COVID in France. So this is printed in Nature, published on 5th April 2022. The title is Course of Post-COVID-19 Disease Symptoms Over Time in the Compare Long COVID Prospective E-Cohort. So let's look at this study. There is something interesting in here. This little piece of information here is not present in the previous two studies we saw. Here is what they said. About 10% of the people infected by severe acute respiratory syndrome virus, SARS-CoV-2, develop post-COVID-19 disease. So they're saying 10% in France become long COVID. Out of all the patients, they analyzed 968 adult patients 
and they ask them through an app that hey do you have the symptoms so day by day prevalence of post covid 19 symptoms was determined from patient's response to the long covid symptoms tool a validated self reported questionnaire assessing 53 symptoms among patient symptomatic after 2 months this is a key statement here those patients who were symptomatic when they had the covid and they were still symptomatic after 2 months these patients 85% still reported symptoms 1 year after their symptom onset this is a very important point because the curiosity so there is a curiosity for long covid to say what is the pathology that is causing it and you you know that long covids are of so many types because pathologies are different then what are the reasons that somebody becomes long covid and there is a lot of research happening and we'll keep having more and more data but here is a sentence that is very interesting somebody who has symptoms during acute covid which continue for 2 months they sometimes or they mostly or most likely going to have long covid even up till a year this is one indicator just like in the uk study you saw 35 to 49 years of age female living in deprived areas working more in the social settings and then having the disabilities and um comorbidities here you can add one more factor and that is somebody who's ill with covid and the symptoms continue for 2 months they may have a higher likelihood to continue to have the symptoms after a year then this next sentence is also very interesting here they're talking about evolution of symptoms so they're not talking about most common symptom or not they're talking about what happened to the symptoms which symptoms became less which symptom stayed stable which symptoms increased they actually are reporting increased as well so let's look at it evolution of symptoms showed a decreasing prevalence over time for example loss of taste and smell a stable prevalence over time for another group for example dyspnea so loss of taste and smell slowly reduced that means patient started recovering shortness of breath stayed continuous and then an increasing prevalence increasing with time increasing prevalence over time for paresthesias neurological uh, sensory paresthesias abnormal sense abnormal sense so burning tingling prickly feelings pins pins and needles uh, facial burning and so on so or or the burning on the body these are paresthesias and paresthesia patients who had paresthesias they continue to have increase in paresthesia the disease impact on patients lives began began increasing 6 months after onset and so the long covid if patient continue to suffer with it then the impact continues to increasing to increase and this is why i believe it is important to look at the protocols like i recover or speak with your doctor whatever is the right thing to do looking at the labs looking at the pathologies that 
there must be support for this. There must be management for this. It should not be left alone. Yes, there is gradual improvement, but then there is a tendency for some things to continue to become permanent. Then here is another study. I believe this is from Germany. This study identifies symptom sets associated with long COVID. So they have another unique set of messages to add, and that is what kind of symptoms, if present, indicate that the person may develop long COVID. So let's look at this one. So this is a study, I believe, from Germany. 958 patients with confirmed SARS-CoV-2 infection were observed from April 6th to December 2nd, 2020. So look, this is an older year as well, but this may be when Delta would come in a little later. We identified a nosmia, a guzia, fatigue or shortness of breath as most common. So smell issues, taste issues, fatigue, shortness of breath. That was the most common. Persisting symptoms at month four and seven. So they had asked a question from the, from the patients at month four and seven. And summarize presence of such long-term health consequences as post-COVID syndrome. Predictor of long-term symptoms. So this is important. And they have a table as well. Predictors of long-term COVID symptoms were assessed using a union multivariable analysis. So let's look at that. So here they're saying we observed 442 and 353 patients over four and seven months after symptoms onset. Four months post SARS-CoV-2 infection, four months post SARS-CoV-2 infection, 8.6% of patients presented with shortness of breath, 12.4% with anosmia, 11.1% with agusia, and 9.7% with fatigue. So here, look at this, anosmia was their most prevalent. And then agusia, and then the fatigue third number, and then um, the shortness of breath fourth. In the other studies, you saw fatigue to be number one and shortness of breath to be number two. At least one of these characteristic symptoms were present in 27.8% and 34.8% at month four and seven. Check this out. A lower baseline level of SARS-CoV-2 IgG. So one more clue now added that those patients that have a lower IgG level produced or who develop anosmia or, or, and diarrhea during acute COVID were associated with higher risk to develop long-term symptoms. So those who had lower titers of IgG antibodies or who had anosmia and diarrhea, they had a higher propensity likelihood to develop long COVID. So now what are the factors that we are seeing? This is the discussion. Uh, the I'm just going to very quickly summarize now. What are the factors? 35 to 49 years of age, females, living in the deprived areas, comorbidities, 
disabilities, social setting, then if this acute phase continues for two months, then it is possible that the long COVID would continue for a year. Then patients with anosmia and diarrhea or patients who had during the acute phase a lower level of IgG may develop long COVID. This actually, this is the discussion. I just want to add one more statement. This actually tells us why asymptomatic patients can become long COVID too. Because in the asymptomatic, we are observing lesser levels of IgG. And again, it doesn't happen to everyone. That still is a mystery. That still is evolving science. But there are some very interesting clues over here. So the next discussion will look at the symptom sets and then we'll start looking at pathologies for those symptoms and management approaches. Thank you very much for listening in and talk to you again.